بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد ونسلی علی رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ ٹونائٹ از دا تھرڈ آف مارچ ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری بےحقی And our beloved messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he is reported to have said that Allah, the Almighty and Glorious, he says, I have inspired the dunya to be resistant, sparing, constrained and harsh with the awliya so that they may look forward to their meeting with me. Similarly, I have made the dunya expansive easy and good for my enemies so they will hate the prospect of meeting with me <coughs> so this is the relevant part of the report so here Allah the Almighty and Glorious himself explains one of the wisdoms so why do those who are very near and dear to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala go through so much hardship in the world and the reason that Allah ta'ala gives is that they look forward to leaving the world i.e. to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the opposite is true. Why is it that the unbelievers, many of them have a very comfortable, easy and a pleasant life, so they will hate the prospect of meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So not something, sometimes something is obvious, but it's mentioned in the sacred text. In a report in Shahrul Sudur, Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu, he relates that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, When the angel of death, alayhi salatu wa salam, arrives at the chosen servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he gives his greetings to him in the following words. Be you blessed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Get up, O friend of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and come out of this house which has been destroyed by you, and accompany me to the place which you have now filled. So here, one of the great glad tidings is that the angel of death who is appointed to take your soul, alayhi salatu wa salam, he congratulates you, he gives you salam. And he says something very interesting. He goes, leave the house you have destroyed. So what does this mean? <coughs> It means that you've sacrificed i.e. your pleasures, your desires, and this is the world. You've destroyed your world. He goes, leave this now. And now accompany me to the place you are filled, <laughs> i.e. with your prayers and your devotions. So note, this is the believer. He's sacrificing in his world, but he realizes that he's not here. He's preparing for the next. <laughs> Truly the last laugh will be for the believers, who are forever told by those with disease in their hearts. Why are you straining so hard? Take it easy. Look at us. We are enjoying prosperity and happiness whilst you are putting yourself through such hardships. And they go on and on. 
And the sadness is Muslims say this, the weak Muslims to the practicing Muslims. So note, this is not actually obviously a good statement to make. You should be, you know, aspiring to be like the people who are stronger than you. In a report in Ibn Abi Dunya, Utba Ibn Amr radiallahu he said, the first knowledge about the particular person who is destined to die comes to the guardian angel who takes the record of the person to the heaven and brings his sustenance to him. However, when he sees that the sustenance of the person has been exhausted in his store, he understands that the person is about to die. Subhanallah. So here one of the companions, he said that who is given the knowledge that you will die first. So this is important. The knowledge is actually given to a few creations. Right at the beginning, when you are being formed, an angel asks, how much is the length of life? So this is talking about specific creations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But this is when you created your living. And after you are now fully, you know, developed as they say, the guardian angel who is in charge of your rizq. Now what does that mean? Your deeds go up and your rizq comes down. The hadith mentioned this. One hadith in Tirmidhi mentions that. But that angel who is in charge of your rizq, when he goes up to the store for want of a better word, there's nothing there. So he realizes that his time is coming to an end. So what's fascinating about that? You're still alive. And the angel in charge of your rizq, he now knows you're going to die. And this is why there's a report which mentions a person is even getting prepared to get married. And he doesn't realize that his death has been decreed. Meaning you need to be prepared at whatever stage in life. Nobody knows when death will, will appear. In Ibn Abi Dunya, Sayyidina Zayd ibn Aslam radiyallahu he said, When all the good deeds of a believer have been taken into account, but it still runs short of the requirement of entry into paradise, then death for him is made painful. Thus his sins are completely washed off and he is admitted into paradise. But if an unbeliever does some good deeds in the world, he is rewarded by making death easier for him and he meets his end with his unbelief. So here another very important thing was highlighted by one of the companions that why is death often painful for the believer? So the companion explained that you haven't got enough in your account. There's too many sins. So Allah Ta'ala in his kindness, he afflicts you right at the end. And what's interesting about the affliction, some people have it for a short period of time and some people have it for even weeks or months. <coughs> but that is all the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah Ta'ala puts you through that because you need that to get the sins forgiven. But the unbeliever, because of his good deeds, Allah Ta'ala rewards him by making death easier for him. So this is what shaitan plays on. You see a non-Muslim and he dies peacefully. And you hear the reports about the greatest of creation going through severe death points. So shaitan goes, who is the one who Allah Ta'ala loves? The one who went through severe points or the one who died easily? And this is again, lack of knowledge. So this is some of the things with regards to uh, the moment of death. Also, in Imam Hakim in his Mustadrak, Abdullah ibn Abbas, he said, when a believer dies, 
the earth weeps over him for 40 days. When a believer dies, the earth weeps over him for 40 days. So, the earth is a living creation. In one hadith mentions it's your mother. Because we were created from the world. It weeps when a believer dies. Why? In Ibn Abi Dunya, Muhammad Ibn Qa'ab, he said, there are persons over whom the earth weep, whilst there are others who make the earth weep. One who remains obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the earth weeps over him. And the sinner makes the earth weep. Hence, the latter type of weeping for the sinner is out of hatred, whilst the former is out of love. So let's look at this. The earth weeps whether you are fish or fowl. That's a simple answer. Why does it weep for the obedient? Because it's, it's out of love. It's missing you because you used to do good on the earth. He will be proud that somebody is doing various acts of worship. But when a shaitan dies, it weeps out of hatred. Now look how interesting. When a person gets very angry, not angry, sometimes tears come out of his eyes. Well, you have to go into a severe state of anger for that. That is what the earth is doing. It's so angry, it's weeping out of hatred now. Astaghfirullah. So, we want the earth to weep for us out of love. And this is why these reports, for instance, if you look at the blessed Mount Uhud, what did the Prophet Wasallam say? He goes, this is a mountain that loves us and we love it. In Bukhari and Muslim. Why did he say that? Because the mountain was observing all those magnificent deeds. So the Prophet goes, it loves us and we love it. So, so-called inanimate objects are observing your deeds. And this is why it was fascinating, there's a report. And the hadith is, is regarding a miracle. The hadith is in Imam Ahmad's Musnad. And a wolf says to a person, a shepherd, who takes the goat off him. He goes, why have you taken my rizq? So the shepherd says, subhanallah, a wolf speaks. And the wolf says, shall I tell you something more amazing? The people in the heavens, the inhabitants of the heavens, are amazed at the deeds of the companions in Al-Madinah. So what's now being mentioned? Not only are the residents of the earth and the earth itself observing your deeds, Allah is showing it to the residents of the heavens, and they get amazed. So look how honorable that is. Allah is honoring the believer constantly. But unfortunately, the opposite is true. This is why there's a famous hadith in Sayyid Bukhari where the Prophet وسلم, he said that a person when he's being carried to the grave, you are either he's either relieved or you are relieved of him. So the Sahaba asked, What do you mean, Ya Rasulullah? Because he is relieved, meaning he's successful. So you take him quickly to the mercy of Allah. He's, he's relieved from the troubles of the world. Or you have relieved yourselves from him. And one hadith the Prophet actually mentioned in the Sayyid, he goes, the trees, the earth, they all say, get rid of him, thank goodness. They just, you know, you get so happy that you got rid of a bad neighbor. Because the trees, the earth, everybody's saying, good riddance. And this is happening all the time when a person is being carried to the grave. 
So this is one hadith that you should constantly reflect upon, especially when you're taking a brother or sister to the graveyard. You're thinking either he's relieved or we've been relieved of him. <laughs> Subhanallah. <coughs> In Ibn Abi Dunya, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Nufair, he said, a man died. He was buried in Al Madina. A man saw him first in his dream as a person of hell, but later as a dweller of paradise. The man inquired in his dream what happened. He said, In our midst, a virtuous person was buried. He interceded for 40 of his neighbors for paradise, and I was fortunate enough to be one of them. So let's look at this fascinating hadith. First of all, this was Al Madina. So the question is, didn't the Prophet say, I will intercede for the resident of Al Madina? And that's true, he did say that. But this person may be Allah Alim. He may have been such a serious sinner that he needed extra help as well from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whatever the case, he's going to help. But then a man after the week, so a week passes seven days, he sees him in paradise. He asks him, what happened? And look how amazing. He goes, a virtuous man was buried after me. So I was buried first. And he interceded for 40 of his neighbors. I was one of those. <laughs> so what does this mean? What this means is that it is extremely beneficial for the deceased to be buried next to the place. Just like you've got good neighbors in the, in the world, you've also got good neighbors in the graveyard. And what's fascinating is you can't choose. <laughs> You can, you know, if you look at how people get buried, <coughs> you choose the neighbors. And if you actually look at people getting buried, and it's fascinating, you see patterns. So you get an elderly person, then you get another elderly person buried next to you. You get a hafiz, and you get another hafiz buried next to you. You get a teacher, you get another teacher buried next to him. And that's not a coincidence. Allah is doing that as a sign to the living. So we should make dua that Allah also honors us to be buried next to the pipes. Now, if that's the case, then what is the status of Abu Bakr and Omar? <laughs> you know, people who are sleeping. If somebody goes, who's buried next to the Prophet? <laughs> and that's not neighbor, that's you know, shoulder to shoulder. And it's Abu Bakr and Omar. And this is why in Ibn Abi Dunya, Muhammad ibn Sabih radiyallahu said, during the tribulation of the grave, the neighboring dead ask him, what were you doing in the world after seeing so many deaths? Why did you not learn a lesson? Correct yourself. The grave would also rebuke him for his negligence. So what's interesting here? A person's in his grave. He's unsuccessful. Who's rebuking him? As if, as if he hasn't got enough problems. The neighbors. He goes, were you sleeping? He goes, you saw so many people, you buried them. You correct yourself. They get in that, you know, grief. Then it says, the grave is starts rebuking me. The grave itself. Why didn't you prepare before you came to me? And this is just the starter, as they say, the main meal's coming. So what's happening? The neighbors are either benefiting you or they're rebuking you. So note here how much detail we've got when it comes to the graves. Why? Because we all are going to end up in the graves. Thabit al-Bunani, rahmatullahi in Ibn Abi Dunya, he said, Once I went to the graveyard, and it was serene. 
absolutely peaceful and my thoughts were provoked. All of a sudden, I heard an invisible person's voice and it said, Ya Thabit, many of the dead which look to you in peace are in gloom and restlessness. Do not be deceived. So even the Tabi'een, they got these whispers. You know, you go to the graveyard, you know, it's peaceful, birds tweeting, beautiful day. You think, I could just go to sleep here. Then you start telling them, I'm in the graveyard. So Shaitan starts playing with the ignorance. <coughs> He goes, look, maybe it's, you know, they're just pushing up daisies, huh? there's nothing happening. <laughs> maybe all of these things are just stories that you've heard. So these are whispers you get. Ta'abeen got it. So don't worry about it. But what happened? Because he was so close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he hears a voice. Your guess is as good as mine. Many of the dead which look in peace are in gloom and restlessness. In other words, don't be deceived or Thabit. And like I mentioned about Thabit, he was one of those fortunate souls who later was seen playing in his grave. He was the one of the servants of Sayyidina Anas. And he made dua. So what's touching is, he's in the graveyard and look at the future that awaits his, his blessed self. And just to mention a few things about the awesome day of resurrection. So there's a famous report. In Sayyid Muslim, number 2684, Tirmidhi, number 2421, Mishkat, number 5540. Sayyidina Mikdad, radiyallahu, he relates that our beloved messenger said, on the day of judgment, the sun will be brought near to the creatures till it is about a mile away from them. All the people will then sweat according to the deeds they have done. Some will sweat up to their ankles. Some will sweat to their knees. Some will have their sweat up to their waists. There will be some for whom it will be like a rain covering their mouths and even going inside their mouths. Saying this, Rasulullah pointed his hand to his mouth. So let's look at this. So the day of judgment, the earth is a different earth. It's a flat earth. So it's still the earth, but it's a different earth. The sun... Whether it's the same or not, Allah Ali, but the Prophet mentioned the sun. It becomes a mile away. So obviously, we can't use worldly terms. A mile away means you're dead. You know, that's what he says, you know, you need to be an astronomer to know, understand that fight. This is the day of judgment. So you can take from it that this is something else. If the sun is only a mile away, that means you're in the oven. People will sweat according to their deeds. Now, these deeds are talking about sins. So, look how interesting. The Prophet mentioned different levels. Some to their ankles, who committed less sins. Knees, more sins. And then he mentioned some will even be drowning in their sweat. And the Prophet pointed to his mouth. So, here, two questions are posed. Shaykh Nawab Muhammad Qutbuddin Khan Bihlawi Rahmatullah in his Mazari Ihaq number 5540. He says, the first question, when the sun is where it is today, its heat seems unbearable for any person. Then when it is only a mile away, how will anyone who is within its sphere survive? That's the first question. Response. 
The fact is that bodies will be more resistant and strong in the next life than they are today. We cannot compare what those bodies will endure with what our bodies in this world can go through. Besides, there is no death in the hereafter. Hence, the creation will endure great hardships. So that answers the first question. You should be dead. There's no death. Okay, that's answered that. But you should be obliterated. If you don't die, okay, you know, you, because your bodies are created differently. <coughs> okay, second question. When a person is submerged in sweat up to his mouth, why will other people not be affected to the same level? Mm-hmm. So the question is, water levels out. <laughs> you know, if you get water, you don't get different levels of water unless you've got a valley. Mm-hmm. If you've got a flat piece of earth, which the earth will be, why is there different levels? It doesn't make sense. The Sheikh said, The answer is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is omnipotent and He will keep the level of perspiration of every person according to His deeds. This has been experienced in our world too. The Nile drowned the unbelievers but spared Musa and his people by remaining calm. Besides, the affairs of the next life are not the same as this world. So the simple answer is, Allah Ta'ala can do whatever He wants. But Allah Ta'ala in His grace has given some sort of example on the earth. And it's a famous incident where Philon drowned. So the sea split, the, uh, the river Nile split, and there was 12 parts. So that's a miracle. Why is the water acting like this? It should be all one level. Allah Ta'ala does whatever He wills. Not only did he give 12 parts, he put windows in the walls of the water. <laughs> but Israel, you know, another level, there's 12 tribes. So they actually thought the other tribes have drowned. So Allah Ta'ala then put a window in the wall of so the walk in and they say, oh, yeah, they're all right. Next level. So if Allah Ta'ala showed his power on the earth, he goes, what's so difficult to show on the day of resurrection? And he goes, yet again, the affairs of the next aunt of this world. He goes, so don't, you know, have these thoughts. Even in the fire, punishments vary. So you got water. What about in the fire? Famous narration. In Sayyid Muslim, number 2845, Mishkat number 5671. Sayyidina Samura ibn Jundub, our beloved messenger said, They will be amongst whom the fire shall seize his ankles. Whom the fire shall seize up to his knees. Whom the fire shall seize up to his waist. And whom the fire shall seize up to the neck. Same question. Why is fire acting like that? Shouldn't the fire just go like in a roll? Why are some people there and then some people to his knees? So Sheikh Nawab Muhammad Qutbun Khan <coughs> Rahmatullah in his Mazari Ihaq number 5561, he explained, This hadith confirms that the inmates of hell will receive degrees of punishment. This will depend on the evil deeds that they had perpetrated. So look how strange. Some people are in hell. Only their feet are getting burnt. Now think about that. Well, how does that work? We understand there's levels of hell and your mind seems to think that anybody in hell is surrounded by fire. How do you explain these hadiths? Some people have only got fire today. They're in hell. Only to their ankles. And the response is, this is the next life. 
But that doesn't mean that they're having an easy time. Why? Because famously the Prophet said, the one with the least punishment, he goes, his feet will be boiling or burning, which will cause his brain to, to uh, uh, boil like a pot. You know, they put like, you heat a pot up, because his brain will be, his skull will be shaking like this. He will think he's going through the most severest punishment, and yet he's going through the least. So don't think that this person's, you know, thinking that he's actually thinking I've got the worst punishment. And in one report, it mentions in the Sayyid that it's Abu Talib. <laughs> right? Sadly. So note, all of this is with regards to the next. And when you go through the reports, you actually realize that a lot of it is Iman. Like I mentioned, Abdullah ibn Masood said, the greatest thing you can testify to is the unseen. You believe in the unseen. Because the Prophet has mentioned it, sallallahu alayhi wa And alhamdulillah, all is detailed. So all I mentioned today was basically a few reports with regards to death itself and some of the most informative narrations in this regard. And then I mentioned a very brief account of what famously happens on the Day of Judgment. Are there any questions you'd like to ask? سبحان بحمدي سبحان اللهم وبحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا انت استغفرك واتوب اليك اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون سلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والاصل ان الذين امنوا وعملوا الصالحات واصبحوا الحق واصبحوا الصبر صدق الله العظيم